In the year 323 BC, in the ancient city of Babylon, situated in a region known as Mesopotamia, meaning the land between the rivers, or in our own time, the modern nation of Iraq, the great conqueror Alexander the Great lay dying of fever, or perhaps as a result of being poisoned. Alexander was the king of Macedonia, a kingdom north of Greece. His father Philip II took control of Greece before dying with Alexander succeeding him, before then continuing to expand. In 10 years his empire would include the united lands of Macedonia, all of Greece, Egypt, the Persian Empire and parts of India. Alexander had not named a successor and now thousands of kilometres from Greece and Macedonia he lay on his deathbed with his most trusted generals around him. Tradition has it that in his final days he was asked who should succeed him. He answered, the strongest. Alexander's generals took this answer literally and would form new empires and kingdoms carved out of Alexander's empire, which would be commonly known as the successor kingdoms. This would usher in a new age known as the Hellenistic period. The term Hellenistic comes from the name the Greeks called their land, Hellas, after the mythological figure of Helen, belonging to the first generation to be born after the great deluge, the flood tale in the Greek mythology. Helen would be known as the ancestor of the Greeks. It was seen as a new age as it would see the spread eastwards of Greek culture, ideas and thought which reached their peak during the previous age, that of the classical period. The classical period would be thousands of years in the making and only last just under 200 years, though so much of what was achieved in the classical period is still with us today. So join me where we'll be looking back thousands of years before Alexander the Great, progressing our way forward to his time and the close of the classical period taking in the history that is considered to have resulted in the height of ancient Greek culture. Hello and welcome to the Casting Through Ancient Greece podcast. My name is Mark Selleck and I will be attempting to tell the story of this fascinating period of time in this series. Today we are just going to do an introduction and an overview of the series that I will be presenting. I want to outline what the series is going to be focusing on the periods in time it will be covering, my motivations, and why I have decided to do a podcast series on ancient Greece. I also want to go into how I'm going to deliver and present the series, and then I want to touch on the different types of information that I'm going to use to piece together my episodes and series. After having explained myself in this introductory episode, I think we should then be ready to dive into the first episode. So how and why am I presenting this podcast? Ancient Greece has been a civilization and a culture but it's fascinated me for many years now. My whole adult life so far, I've been an avid reader and student of history. I've visited many different time periods over the years where I tended to spend at least a year with each period to try and give myself a comprehensive grounding and attempt to give myself a good chance of understanding the period. But it was a few years ago now where a friend of mine suggested I delve into ancient Greece. At that stage, I hadn't really looked into much ancient history in any great detail, and to be honest, the prospect of devoting a year to it didn't really excite me. I'm not sure what led me to this assumption, but I thought it would be dry and tedious, but how wrong I was going to be. The first book I started out with was The Histories by Herodotus, who is commonly known as the father of history. I have to say that The Histories is a book that I finished in very few sittings, and not due to its length, but I found it very hard to put down. As I closed the back cover of The Histories, I was now hooked and needed to know more. Herodotus's approach, and even just the events he was describing in his inquiry, or as the ancient Greeks would say, historiae, where we get our word history from, had fascinated me. Over the year, I had accumulated my own library on the classical period, consuming as much as I could. After just over a year of constant study, 
I had reached the chronological point that I had decided where I would end the period and felt somewhat satisfied that I had a good grounding in the period, though there was still much more I wanted to know. I then moved on to other topics and periods and noticed as time went on, the voice in the back of my head to revisit Greece got louder and louder. So after a few years of finishing my initial look at classical Greece, I decided to listen as I hadn't had that happen before, well not to that extent. So I started reading more again on the classical period and expanding into the earlier and later periods while further expanding my library on ancient Greece. This time around though, I wasn't satisfied with just reading and researching, so I also started writing. My thoughts after a while then started to turn to what do I do with what I'm writing? And I continued to ask myself this for some time. I noticed that the thought of perhaps doing a podcast of some sort kept being my most frequent answer and gradually led me down the path to start writing this series. My aim with this series is to try and present a history of the period in a chronological order. I want to make it accessible and entertaining but also hopefully thought-provoking, encouraging people to delve deeper into the period and hopefully catch the bug that I have. I'm not looking at writing or presenting to the academic world, but to people who might not have the time or motivation to read history books, but would like to know more or something about ancient Greece. I'm also hoping that people who have a good grounding in the period also get something out of my series, and I hope to stimulate lots of discussion with the episodes as they are written and released. The plan is to present a chronological history of the period in episodes that run for approximately 30 to 40 minutes each, though I'll re-evaluate this going off the feedback I get. I really want to focus on delivering a series that advances through the events and themes without bogging down too much and explaining every little great detail in depth. Though I anticipate this may become necessary on occasions to understanding ideas and concepts that are important to the period as a whole. Trying to decide where to begin the series became a decision that took some time to settle on. But in the end, I made the decision to look back into prehistory and move forward from there. So to begin with, there won't be a flowing narrative of history but more a look into what mainly physical evidence tells us about what was likely taking place. By starting this far back, we will set up the periods and give context that will allow us to begin a flowing narrative, where a much richer source of literature exists. These early episodes will be dealing with quite large expanses of time. For example, my plan is to spend one episode on an earlier civilization that existed in the Greek islands, known as the Minoans, whose history encompassed hundreds of years. In contrast, once we reach the classical period, where we can pick up a clearer narrative, one episode could be focusing on a particular person or a battle. I'm not entirely sure on the frequency that I'll be releasing my episodes, as I work full-time and have a family with young children. This series is starting off as a hobby, and I think as a modest aim, I might aim for getting out an episode once a month, though my aim is to try and reduce this to every two weeks. Early on, I anticipate some trial and error with this series, but hopefully with some evaluating along the way and some constructive feedback from listeners, I will settle into a rhythm and a style before too long. So when I talk about doing a series on ancient Greece, what am I actually looking at covering and what period in time am I going to be focusing on? I anticipate that the majority of the episodes will be dealing with the period in Greek history known as the Classical Period. It is named Classical as it was seen as the period that saw the greatest advances in many areas of life, such as the arts, science, philosophy, politics and so on. The advances and achievements that took place in this era still reverberate to this day. The period that is most often given to mean the classical period is an artificial timestamp, and we shouldn't assume that one day everyone woke up and everything was completely different. The changes occurred over time, and almost always dates of periods in history are given as convenient ways of discussing the past. The classical period is usually given the dates of 480 BC to 323 BC by most historians, 
starting with the second Persian invasion of Greece and ending with the death of Alexander the Great. This is the period that will be the centerpiece of the series, though as I said earlier, we'll be spending some time on the periods leading up to the Classical Age to give us some grounding and context. I'm going to start the series by going back and looking at the Neolithic period very briefly, which is commonly given the dates of around 6000 BC to 2900 BC. This is where we see the migration of people into Greece and early settlements develop, but we are relying mostly on archaeology to interpret what took place. Then we'll head into the Bronze Age, roughly 2900 BC to 1100 BC. The Bronze Age is given its name due to the tools and weapons that were in use were beginning to be primarily made of bronze. Also in the Bronze Age we'll encounter two other civilizations that predated the ancient Greeks, the Minoans and the Mycenaeans where a lot of Greek mythology that has come down to us seems to trace its stories to these civilizations and this period. We then descend into the Dark Ages, 1100 BC to 776 BC. This period has very little to offer to the historian due to the lack of written archaeological evidence. Hence it is known as the Dark Age. But it is worth noting that more information is on offer than when the period was given its name. The Archaic Age, 776 BC to 480 BC, which coincides with the first Olympic Games, is next. And we will start looking into more detail, especially our main players, Athens and Sparta, as their main political structures developed in this period, which shaped them going into the Classical period. We will also take a look at the Persians leading into the Classical Age, as they become a major player in foreign relations with the Greek world. We will then arrive into the Classical period. Some of the major events that we will cover will be the first and second Persian invasions, the rise of the Athenian Empire, the Peloponnesian War in the aftermath of the war, and the city-states contesting for hegemony. We will then see the rise of Macedonia through King Philip II and then his son Alexander III, who will also be known as the Great once he marches into Persia and carves out one of the largest empires seen to that point in history. These are, as I said, only some of the major events, and we'll be looking at other issues and events that were taking place between and during what I've already described. To finish off the series, We'll have a brief look into the start of the Hellenistic Age, which is the period given at the death of Alexander the Great, to see the aftermath of the Classical Age. To put all of this together, I'll be using a variety of sources so I can then put across my best interpretation of the history and events of ancient Greece. I'll be relying on histories written by ancient authors around the same time these events were taking place, as well as more modern accounts by historians who have themselves analysed the ancient sources and provided their take on the period. Ancient poems and myths will also prove useful as they convey how the Greeks saw their past and teach lessons in how they should conduct themselves. And even if not entirely accurate in detail, they tend to show how people acted and the norms of society. Archaeological evidence will also play a part in my research as it can help confirm what has been told by some ancient historians and it can also fill in where we do not have much or any information in written sources. This evidence is extremely helpful in confirming, disproving or keeping alive claims made by historians as it is physical evidence that can be dated to periods in time. I want to talk a little about the ancient sources that I'll be using, as these are going to be the foundation of my series, especially when looking at the classical period. I'll be starting with them and then building my understanding and interpretation of events by adding all the other types of evidence I've already outlined. The main ancient historians I'll be using as my historic narrative foundations are Herodotus, Thucydides, Xenophon, and Arian. I'll also be using a range of other ancient sources to supplement these, such as Diodorus Siculus, Aristotle, Plutarch, and so on. Though I will also be providing a list of all the books that I have utilised along the way. 
Anyway, I just wanted to give a little background on the four major ancient sources that I'll be relying on as my foundation. And it's also worth noting, following these four provides a pretty good chronological narrative, as they tend to pick up roughly where the last ended. The first ancient historian I'll be utilising is also often known as the father of history, and his name is Herodotus. Herodotus was born around 484 BC in a town called Halicarnassus, which is on the coast of modern-day Turkey. Herodotus travelled quite extensively throughout the Greek world and also into Egypt, where he gathered a lot of his information. Reading his work, The Histories, is unlike reading a modern history book, as it is written in a way where he would have performed his work to a listening crowd. Herodotus's work covers in a narrative sense the first and second Persian invasions leading into the classical period. His work also covers a range of other topics, as he tends to go off in digressions, explaining such things as other lands such as Egypt and Persia. He also spends a bit of time on events in the Archaic period, which will be helpful when looking at Athens and Sparta's development. Lastly, our word for history comes from the title of Herodotus' work, which was in Greek, historiore, meaning an inquiry. Thucydides is our next historian who follows on from Herodotus, and is considered to have refined the art of writing history. His work is called the Peloponnesian War, and starts off dealing with events coming out of the Persian Wars, leading up to the breakout of hostilities of the Peloponnesian War, and then focusing on the war itself. Thucydides was born in 460 BC, and died in 400 BC, or maybe a little later. He was an Athenian general who was active during the war, but was exiled during it before returning once it had finished. It is thought that he died before he could complete his history, as at the end of the work it breaks off in mid-sentence in the year 411 BC, but it's clear from his work he lived to see the end of the war in 404 BC. The missing part of the late stages of the Peloponnesian War isn't lost, however, as another historian named Xenophon fills in the later part of the war, while also continuing with events in the aftermath, in his work, the Hellenica. He picks up events in 411 BC, which is seen as a continuation of Thucydides' work, as the opening line of his story starts with, and after these events, which then continues where Thucydides broke off. Xenophon, born around 431 BC, wasn't just a historian but he was also a philosopher who studied under one of the most well-known philosophers in the Greek world, Socrates. He was also a soldier and commanded a mercenary army fighting its way out of Persia, which he also wrote an account of called the Anabasis. We'll also be making use of the Anabasis once we reach those events. Our fourth historian, who's going to form the foundation to the later part of the series, is a man named Arian. Arian, born around 85 to 90 AD, writes a history known as the Campaigns of Alexander, which you can probably guess covers the history of Alexander the Great. Unlike the other three historians, Arian was quite removed from the events he writes about, with his history being written over 300 years after they took place. Though his account is generally considered the fullest and most reliable of the surviving accounts. Supposedly his aim was to try and correct the widely outrageous accounts that existed in his day. Arian in his history follows the same structure as Xenophon used when writing his Anabasis, and Arian's work is also known as the Anabasis of Alexander. Anabasis meaning an expedition up from. So that is a brief look at the ancient historians who will give us a foundation to this series. We'll probably look more closely at each of them as we approach the time period that they write about, since they are so influential to our understanding of events. But as I have said, their accounts don't form a complete picture of the period, and many gaps and inconsistencies remain, so we'll be using a whole range of other accounts to help supplement these from ancient all the way through to modern historians. 
For now, that is where we're going to leave our introduction, and I hope everyone will gain something out of this series. This is my first attempt at a podcast, so please, any constructive feedback, positive or negative, is most welcome, as it will help me shape this series. So until next time, thank you for your interest, and I hope to have you back for Episode 1, Greece Before History. <laughs>